So we're going to go ahead and jump into our message this morning. We're in week three of our Full of Grace and Truth series. I've been enjoying it. Um, I hope you have been as well. Kind of our main verse that we've been looking at every week is John 1, uh, 14. Uh, and I think it's an important verse that we look at again. And this is what it says. The Word became flesh, meaning Jesus, and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. This idea that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is this idea and this concept that Jesus came and he was 100% in grace and 100% in truth. And that as we are his followers, that's what we need to be as well. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially in the world that we live in today. And this, this idea has kind of been encapsulated, and this is in your notes, as something that we need to do in, uh, every week we've been talking about it. But this idea that we need to stand firm on God's truth and we need to freely give God's grace. Stand firm on God's truth and freely give God's grace, give God's love, and do that. And, and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to kind of break down each of those last two things. Today, we're going to really be talking about standing firm on God's truth. Next week, we'll kind of be looking at uh, the, the idea of giving freely, giving God's grace and God's love. But it needs to be something that is a part of our lives. It needs to be something that we're always constantly working on to allow God to form us into that and help us to do that. Because here's the bottom line. It is very, very difficult difficult to do that without God. I would say it's almost impossible, if not impossible, to live that way because we, we tend to kind of go one way or the other. We talked about that in week one, this idea we're either kind of truth people or we're kind of grace people. And, and, and that idea of or is not a biblical concept. We're not supposed to be one or the other. We're supposed to be like Jesus and be both. But we're going to kind of this week kind of look at this idea of being standing firm on God's truth. In 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 13 and 14, we see this verse that Paul uses to encourage his readers. It says this, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. In this verse, in some ways, Paul has encapsulated once again this idea of full of grace and full of truth. This idea of standing firm is important, but we also have to make sure that we love well. Before we jump into the meat of the message, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, we, we know that you have called us to live like Jesus. You've called us to be not or people, but and people when it comes to grace and truth. That we need to stand for your word, stand firm on your word, but at the same time, give out grace and love and and. and all those things, God, that you have given to us, you've asked us as your ambassadors to give to others. And so, Father, I pray that you would change us, you would form us, you would make us more like you in these things. We love you and we thank you. And, Father, I would pray that you would just help me to communicate the words you want communicated. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as we've been doing, we've kind of been looking at the book of Daniel. We've tried to kind of stay away from some of the stories that most people know. And actually, we're going to kind of go to a story that more people may know, but maybe not quite as much about. Um, because this is kind of one of those things that 
I'd like to kind of hit some things that maybe we hadn't heard before. But we've been kind of doing a book study of the book of Daniel. And Daniel takes place in a foreign country, if that makes sense, in the land of Babylon during the Israelites... Um, you know, slavery of away from Israel. And basically that took about seven years. And the book of Daniel really takes place in a foreign land. Now, there's parts of it that, that, that Babylon isn't in charge. You know, we'll get into that later. But, but basically it's, it's in a foreign land. And so we are looking at how Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were able to stand firm and, and really show a lot of grace in a foreign area when, when things were not necessarily open or excited about God, but kind of in, in contrast and in almost in battle against the things of God, which is kind of where we find ourselves today. But the first thing we're going to look at is this idea of standing firm in Babylon. Standing firm in Babylon. We're going to go back to Daniel 1 and look at this story that is in Daniel 1 to kind of show us, because really what I'm hoping and what I want to have kind of come out of this this morning is to give you some, some ways and some things to do to help you to stand firm. Okay, we know we need to do this, but I want to kind of give you some tools and give you some some things that you could be working on to help us to stand firm. So we know what to do to stand firm. So we're going to look in Daniel chapter one and we're going to start with verse three and five. We're going to kind of tell this story. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I want to kind of tell this story to kind of lay the groundwork for this situation. So in Daniel one, three through five, this is what it says. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for, for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of Babylon. The king assigned them to a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Okay, so let's, let's put a pause here, and let's talk about this really quickly. We talked about this really in week one, but basically what happened when Israel was conquered by King Nebuchadnezzar and the, the, the country of Babylon, he went in and he took basically slaves, and he went in, but he also took some of the brightest, the, the most, uh, the, the smallest, artists, the, the best looking, all these sort of things, to take them also into slavery, but to kind of use them in a different way as a slave. And they were going to be trained in the ways and the customs and the language of Babylon, and they were going to serve the king in his court. Okay? So this here kind of tells us again that story of how they're going to be grabbed and brought in. Now, there's one part of this that we need to catch and understand. We see this thing where it says the king was going to basically give them food from the king's table. Okay? Now, if we would read that and not understand a little bit greater what's happening here, we could go, oh, well, that's great. Well, that's awesome. Oh, man, I bet the king eats great. I mean, I bet the king eats really, eats really, really well. So this is nice of him. This is generous of him. This is him actually sharing uh, his food with, them, with, with these guys. But there's a problem here that we need to understand. You see, everything that the king was offering them was ceremonially unclean to people that were Jewish. You see, in the Old Testament, God laid out some dietary restrictions for his people. And it's interesting, if you, if you kind of look at them and see why God did that, you can kind of actually go back and see that God was really protecting his people from a lot of the, the food-borne illnesses that you get if you don't do the things that God asked him, his people to do. 
But all of this food was unclean. These were things that these Israelites should not be eating, okay? So we have to understand the context here of what's going on. Even though it seems like the king's being very generous, he's basically asking these guys to, to disobey the laws and the commands of God. Okay? So now let's jump ahead to Daniel 1.11. In, ja- in Daniel 1.11, we see kind of, uh, after they brought these guys in, this conflict, this, this struggle, this tension that begins to take place between these people uh, that were brought in and the country of Babylon. This is what it says. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief, a chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Please test your servant for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance. What with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants according to what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Basically what's happening here is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have gone and said, listen, we're not going to eat this food, but they don't go about it and basically start protesting and having a fit. We're not doing this and you're this and that. They just basically say, hey, listen, I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal. You give us just vegetables and water you give everybody else the king's food and in 10 days you look and see who is more healthy who looks the best basically okay this is this is the plan this is the idea will you do this and the guard agrees to this okay the guard agrees to say hey we'll we'll look and see so, so, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel get vegetables and water, and everybody else eats the food they're really not supposed to eat, okay? So that's the situation that we find ourselves in. So let's see what happens. Let's look at Daniel 1, chapter, uh, verse number 17. It says this. So basically, that's what happens, and we're going to kind of get more in the story later on in the, in the message, but basically what happens is simply, guess what? Daniel and his friends look a lot better than the guys that were eating the king's food. So this is what happens at the end. It says, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered into the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them, this is important, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So what happens here? What happens? Because they were willing to say, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to defile ourselves. We're not going to allow ourselves to do the things that the world wants us to do. God blesses them. God helps them. God does amazing things. We, here's what's interesting. You know, we talk about Daniel. And if you know the book of Daniel, Daniel, for a lot of, in the book, he's interpreting visions and he's interpreting dreams. Okay? We don't see Daniel having that ability before this. We see it, God saying, I'm going to give it to you now. Why do I believe that God gave it to him now? Because I think God said, listen, if I can trust you to stand for me in the small things, I can also trust you to stand for me in the big things. 
A lot of us want God to give us gifts and, and, and for us to use those gifts. But the problem is, is we're too busy eating the king's food to stand on the truth that God has given us for God to say, yeah, I can trust you with that gift. I can trust you with that ability. I can give you more and more because you've shown yourself faithful in these small things. But in the story, it's such a great story because we see this concept of these guys standing firm. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at how they did that and use those things to help us as we stand firm in our Babylon that we find ourselves today. So let's look at this together. We're going to kind of break this down. We're going to get a little more in depth with the story because we need to understand and, and we need to prepare ourselves to stand firm. So how do we do that? How do we do that? We have about four or five things that I think are important that we catch to help us to prepare and do that. Because listen, one thing I've learned about standing firm, it's not one of those things that's easy to do off the cuff. We have to know and be ready before it comes. Do you understand what I'm saying? So these are things that we're not doing before, you know, after it, we're standing firm. These are things that we're doing before to prepare ourselves to do that. So let's look at a couple of these. Number one, standing firm takes knowledge and wisdom. Standing firm takes knowledge and wisdom. Let's look at Daniel 1, 8a. So this is the first part of Daniel, but this is what it says. But Daniel resolved to not defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now there's two things here I want you to notice with me. Okay, Number one, how does Daniel know that the food is going to defile him? How does he know that? Well, here's, here's the real simple answer. Daniel knew God's word. Daniel knew what God's word required of him. You know, sometimes what I find that, that sometimes kind of bothers me or, or kind of, it's one of those things I go, boy, I, that, we kind of got this out of order. We're asking people to stand firm on God's word, but so many, some of us don't even know what's in God's word. We don't know if that's okay. We don't know what the situation is. It hurts my heart a lot of times to see people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, God's done all these things. But you, the things they believe, the things they're standing for are in direct opposition to what God's word says. We have to know. We have to know what God's word says. So that we can follow, so we can stand up for those things. But you know what? It's more than just knowledge. It's more than just understanding what God's word says. And that's why we don't just have knowledge here. We also have wisdom. Look at look what Daniel, in, in our verse, Daniel doesn't start having a fit. Daniel doesn't start shaking a Bible at somebody and screaming in their face. Daniel says, listen, it's, it's amazing to me. Daniel says, can I have permission? You know what that is? That's smart. Because here's the thing. This is not... Daniel has no power. Daniel is a slave. Daniel is not have, doesn't have the authority to go, well, I ain't doing that, so I don't care what you tell me. Daniel got that. So Daniel comes in and he, with a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of tact, says, hey, can we have permission to try it this way? Listen, I, I found this a lot of times with, with people. We may have a lot of knowledge... But there's not a lot of wisdom sometimes. Well, knowledge and wisdom need to go hand in hand. They need to be kind of like this. You've got knowledge over here, you've got wisdom over here, and they need to come together to be effective. 
in the way that God wants us to do. Daniel understood that. He knew what God's word said. He knew that he would stand. And he also had wisdom on how to go about making those things a reality. Which is so important. But he understood those things. And here's the thing. I want you to check this out because I put this in your notes. I know it's a little bit longer. But I wanted you to get this because I think this is something that when it comes to standing firm, this is one of the first steps. So in your notes, look at, me, look at him with me. This is what it says. Because we kind of talked about this in the week one. Daniel did not object to the name given to him because he knew who he was and others could call him what they wanted. Remember that from week one? They changed his name. You know what? It's interesting. Daniel doesn't, doesn't say, you can't call me that. Why? We talked about that name and what it meant and all these sort of things. And they did the same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, we see this name change, but we don't see them standing up for that. Why? It's simple. They knew who they were. You know what I find when people get really, really concerned about what everybody else has to say about them? You know what it tells me? It tells me they don't know who they are in Christ. They have allowed the world to define them. They've allowed the world to name them. They've allowed the culture to name them. When really the only person that can name us is Jesus. And he's given us a wonderful name. But he doesn't bother. He doesn't object to that. The second thing, Daniel does not object to the Babylonian education. Because he knew what he believed. He knew what he believed. He didn't say, he didn't say uh, you know, he didn't do one of these numbers. Are you ready? They started teaching him. No, 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 no. I'm not listening, you know. He didn't do that. Why? He knew what he believed. You know what was one of the greatest, I'll be honest with you, when I was a youth pastor, one of the greatest things that I would experience that would make me feel like, oh my goodness, this is great, this is awesome, like maybe I'm not a horrible youth pastor after all moments, it's when I had a kid that would sit there and say, they would speak something and they would show me that, you know what, it didn't matter what they learned there or there or there. They believed what God's word said. So it didn't bother them. But here's what's interesting. Daniel did object to the food from the king's table because eating it was a direct disobedience to God's word. You go, Aaron, where do we need to stand firm? Where, where are those things that we really need to stand firm? Because you know what? Sometimes there's some gray areas. Sometimes it's hard to know. It's simple. When we can look at God's word and we can say, you know what? If we go there, if we do that, if we follow that path, it is in direct disobedience to God's word. That's when we say, nope, I'm sorry. I'm standing firm. And that's what Daniel did. He said, you know what? I know this is wrong. This is not okay. God said it is against the, uh, the, our dietary situation. We're not allowed to do this. And so Daniel said no. He said, you can name me whatever you want. You can try to teach me whatever you want because I know who I am. I know what I believe, but I will not cross that line over into disobedience. And it's important that we catch that because Daniel got that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood that and got that. But you know what? It takes more than just knowledge and wisdom. Next, standing firm takes courage. It really does. It takes courage. And can I, can I just be honest with you? Not that you're going to keep me from doing this, but you know what I mean? I, I think the church as a whole really lacks courage in our world today. I do. I think we're, for some reason, 
we're scared. We're scared of repercussions. We're scared of how people are going to see us. And you know what? If we're going to stand firm, we're going to have to be courageous. We're going to have to stand strong. Look at Daniel 1.8. This is the second part. This is what it says. We're going to kind of look at this, and then we're going to jump to another verse. It says, he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And then, and, and why, why did this take courage? What was the situation here? We're going to get in a little bit deeper in a minute. But look at Daniel 1.10. Okay? And, and this is what the official told Daniel. I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should, he see, uh, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men uh, of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. This guy understood the situation. This king's official is like, hey, listen, you don't know who you're dealing with here. If this goes bad, the king is going to remove my head from my body. This is explaining the situation. This is, this is not a, hey, 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 let's give this a shot. Let's see if it works. If it doesn't, no big deal. He's going, listen, if this fails, if it doesn't go well, there could be some serious ramifications to this. Some big issues. So let's look at that a little bit more. Let's look at it in more detail. Why did this act require such great courage? Because sometimes it's hard for us to understand in, in our world today. We need to kind of go back a little bit and understand that their world was quite a bit different than ours. So, so why does this require such great courage? Number one, the king ordered the menu. Okay? The king ordered the menu. That's why it took great courage. The king is the one that said this is what you should be eating. To go against that would cause some problems. It could, you could, you're kind of somewhat insulting the knowledge or the wisdom of the king. Which in that time, usually not a good idea to do. Okay? So, number one, going against that. Number two, refusing the food might have branded them as uncooperative and as troublemakers. Remember, they've been brought over. Daniel at this point hasn't done anything really, really cool. They're just guys. I don't know if it's a good idea at this point to be like, hey, you know, those are the guys that are causing problems. Those are the guys that are having issues. Those are the guys that keep finding issues with the situation. So just do that. It, they could have been branded that way, again, which was not a good idea. Next, there was a threat of real punishment, kind of what we just talked about. Okay? They weren't going to be slapped on the wrist. They could have their lives taken from them. There was the real threat of that. And then, and then let's look at it kind of this one because it's kind of interesting. The food probably looked very appetizing. The food probably looked pretty good. I mean, sometimes we forget about that. That, you know, sometimes the enemy comes and the enemy says, hey, are you, you know, look at this. Doesn't this look good? The enemy doesn't bring us, if this makes sense, fruit that's rotten and disgusting and got worms out of it. It looks usually pretty good. And so it took a lot of courage just to say, you know what? Even though that looks good, even though maybe I'm hungry, even though the thought of going, man, I don't know if I want it for the next three years, because that's how long they were going to be trained. I don't know if I want to eat vegetables and water for the next three years. That smells pretty good. That looks pretty good. Next, the mere distance made it easier to compromise. As a youth pastor, I remember I would sit down sometimes with the kids that were getting ready to go away to college, and I'd be looking at them and say, listen now, hear me. It's going to be easier to compromise. Why? Mom and dad aren't there. Pastor Aaron isn't there. You can kind of, nobody will know kind of an attitude. And it becomes very easy in those moments to compromise. It's very easy to say, you know what? Let's just do it. It's just, I don't want to be, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to cause problems. 
And then the, the final one, and it sounds somewhat elementary, but I think it's important, everyone else was doing it. Everybody else was doing it. You know what we find here? There's four guys. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us how many guys they actually brought to be in this kind of quote-unquote program. But we know it's more than four. So there's only four, though, that stand up. Everybody else says, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Come on, man. Stop making a problem. Stop, stop, stop causing issues. You're going to get us in trouble. Just be quiet. Just settle down. Everybody else was doing it. So it took a lot of courage for these guys to say, you know what? We're not going to do this. We're not going to defile ourselves. Next, standing firm takes faith. It takes a great amount of faith. Look at Daniel 1, 12 through 14, because we see this in this verse. It says this, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. It took a lot of faith to do this. Why? Because in some ways, if you can't hear me here, he's putting his money where his mouth is. He's like, hey, look, test it and see. He didn't just say, let's just see what, yeah, let, let, you should just do this. He believed that if they were obedient to God, that God in turn would hold up his end of the bargain. That he would do whatever it took to change the mind and the heart of the people that were basically saying, no, you have to eat this food. You have to do it this way. Daniel and his friends had a lot of faith in that. They said, you know what? I believe that God will justify. I believe that God will come and he will do something amazing. They don't know what God's going to do. But he believed and was willing to say, you know what? I'll take that step and say, you know what? Test it and see. Test it and see. See what happens. Listen, let, hear me here. I believe that God is calling up people who are going to be willing in our age and in our time to say, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to come out. But you know what, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to walk in that faith. And I'm going to believe that God is going to do something incredible. Here's what's awesome. You know the stories that we do know really well? Fiery Furnace, Daniel in the Lion's Den. You know why I think it was easier? Not, not, not that it was easy, because I'm sure it was difficult for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to say, you know what? I'm going to stand up for God. I'm not going to go and do those things. I'm not going to bow my knee. I'm not going to stop praying. You know why I think it was easier? Because in this moment, God was faithful. God said, you know what? Watch what I'll do. I'm not saying it was easy to go into that fiery furnace. I'm not saying it was easy to go down in that lion's den. But you know what God tends to do is he builds our faith. He says, you know what? If you'll take those little steps, I'll be there. I'll, I'll walk with you. I'll help you. I'll be with you. And I think it's important. They put their faith on the line. They said, wait and see what my God can do and will do. The final thing, standing firm, and this is important, inspires others it inspires others daniel 1 12 through 14 this is what it says at the end of 10 days they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men 
who ate the royal food. So let's stop there for a second. We'll come jump back into verse 16. What's that saying? Like we just said, there were guys that didn't do this. There were guys that compromised. Because you got to have somebody to compare it to. Okay? So there were guys that compromised and there were guys that didn't. So we see that. So the guard, I love this. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were, they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. I love that. I, lo I love how the story ends, basically. Because basically, and, and it ends with, with God blessing and doing all those things. But in our kind of, our little story, they bring them out. They march them out and they say, okay, let's look at them. It's 10 days. And Daniel and his buddies, they're looking good. They're looking awesome. They're looking, yeah, I'm looking, yeah. Well, the guys that were eating all the food that the king had prepared, they're not looking so good. And so in the story, basically the guard goes, remember the guard who's afraid that he's going to lose his head, is very concerned about how these guys look to the king, obviously. He goes, hey, this works, this doesn't. We're going to take away that food and everybody gets water and vegetables. And I love that. I love that, listen... And you need to understand this, because sometimes we can get really self-absorbed and forget that our actions not only can affect us, but they can really affect others. You know, listen, hear me here. It is hard to stand alone. It is. You know, it's easier to stand with others. And sometimes what it takes for others to be willing to stand up is for you and I to be willing to stand up first. And that's hard. But when we do that, and the world begins to see the real difference, listen, that God can make in the hearts and the lives of people, it can change some things. I've seen stories, I've seen people that, that were living one way and doing things that were just not good. And God gets a hold of their life. They accept him. They allow the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy to come. And God does one of those amazing things that he does with every human being that accepts him. He takes somebody that's dead spiritually and he brings them to life. He does something absolutely incredible. And there's life change in that individual. And then that individual kind of walks into a situation where people know, knew who they were before, you know? And they just, they're blown away. There's a, what happened to you? you? You were one way and now you're another. How did this happen? And the response is, Jesus has done something amazing in me. In that moment, there is an amazing amount of inspiration. There's an amazing amount of man Maybe that's what I need. Because here's the thing we need to understand. Spiritually speaking, when we eat the things of God, when we follow his laws, when we follow his commands, you know what? Spiritually speaking, we're going to look a lot more healthy than those that aren't. We need to get that. So that's important. The final one. Because I know this isn't easy, okay? I'm not... You know, one of the things I always try to do is just be honest. And, and standing firm is hard. It's not easy. And, and, and a lot of people that, can I just be honest, that, that should know better, aren't. You know, and, I, and I'll, I'll do this. I'll talk about my kind, if that makes sense. There's a lot of pastors who have bowed their knee to things that, quite honestly, are contrary to what God's Word says. Well, Aaron, why? I'll tell you why, because it's easier. 
because it's not as confrontational. Listen, you need to hear me in this. God's word is confrontational. Oh, I don't like that word. Why? What do you mean? Simple. Simple. Let, let's put it this way, okay? This will help you understand this, okay? We have this idea that we see in Scripture a lot of this idea of darkness and an idea of light. You realize that when light and darkness come together, there's confrontation? You get that, right? One has to flee. The other one wins, okay? If we turned all the lights off in this room and closed the blinds and made it as dark as we could in here and then turned on the light, what would happen to the darkness? The darkness would there is almost like if this helps you understand there's like this battle that goes on there's this confrontation this is unlike your darkness there's going to be something that they don't they don't work well together and i'm not saying we need to be militant in the way we respond to people we need to we'll talk about this next week how we love them but we need to understand that the way the world looks at things is in contrast to what the bible says and we need to understand that and so this is hard this isn't easy. This isn't something that's simple to do. That's why we have to talk about it. That's why we have to plan for it. But there's one last thing that I want you to remember about standing firm. There's one last thing I want you to understand. It's important that you catch this. And to understand this, we're going to go to the New Testament. We're going to go to the New Testament. We're going to start in Colossians 3. In Colossians 3, we see some scripture. Then we're going to kind of jump here. Then we're going to jump to another uh, one in Acts, but I think you need to understand this. Colossians 3, 1, this is what it says. It says, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, okay? Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, okay? So in this verse, what we're seeing is a couple things, okay? What Paul is encouraging us to do is not keep our eyes on the world, but to keep our eyes on Jesus, and he says, well, where's Jesus at this point? Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and we're actually told that Jesus is seated. Okay? Got that picture? Important that we catch that. All right? Now, let's go to Acts. In Acts 7, and Monica, don't put it up there quite yet. I'm sorry. You, you, were, you, were, you were ahead of me. Good job. But in Acts 7, let me kind of give you an idea of what's happening here. There's a guy named Stephen. The church has just begun. Jesus has left, and now the church is in its infancy. And basically, there's a guy named Stephen. And Stephen, basically, to make a long story short, is, is preaching the gospel. He's standing up for Jesus. And he's standing up in some very, very difficult situations and circumstances. Okay? And because of his stand, if this makes, you know, I'll help you understand the story. The people that are hearing him are very much against what he is saying. And so they decide the best way to handle this is to pick up rocks and throw them at Stephen until he is dead. They're going to stone him. And that's basically exactly what happens. Is they begin to pick up these rocks and they begin to pelt Stephen for standing up for what Jesus has said. In Acts 7, now Monica, if you would, let's jump there. We pick up the story in verse 55. This is what it said. But Stephen... As these rocks are being thrown at his noggin, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. But let's look at this because I think this is something important that we catch. In Colossians, we see Jesus sitting. In Acts, we see Jesus standing. Now, I've had people come to me and say, oh, look, the Bible is, is contradicting itself. I say, well, why? Why? What do you mean? Well, look, in, in Acts, Jesus is standing. In Colossians, he says he's sitting. Which is it? Simple. Jesus has knees. They work well. Jesus has the ability to stand or sit. He did that on earth. We see that later on in his glorified body. After the crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus' knees are awesome. They work really well. Jesus has the ability to stand or sit. But in one section, we see the scriptures tell us that Jesus is sitting. And in this moment, Jesus is standing. So I want to ask you a question. This is in your notes. Do you know when Jesus stands? Do you know when Jesus stands? Here's your answer. When I stand, Jesus stands with me. When I stand, Jesus stands with me. What's the last thing? What's an important thing I want you to remember when it comes to standing? Simple. You do not stand alone. You don't stand alone. I bet you in that moment, listen, hear me here. Yeah, I'm sure it was scary. I'm sure it was frightening. I mean, I don't know. I, listen, I, I grew up playing baseball, okay? And, and I, I've been hit by pitchers a lot. And it doesn't tickle, okay? It hurts. I cannot imagine what it must have been like to be Stephen. To be in that moment where he's standing on God's truth, he's standing on God's word, and people start thinking, taking rocks, and as hard as they can, they start throwing it at his head and his body. Stephen becomes the first martyr. He dies. You see, sometimes it's hard because we want to we hope and believe that, that when we stand for Jesus, that Jesus will come and and he'll grab us and take us away and keep us safe. And sometimes, listen, hear me, sometimes he does that. We have tons of examples, even in Daniel, of God doing that. But we also have lots of examples where it's like Stephen, where Jesus doesn't come, if that makes sense, and save the individual, listen, hear me, from a physical death. But here's what's awesome. Jesus was there, and he saved Stephen from a spiritual death. The Bible tells us, don't fear man who can just kill this body. We should be concerned about God and knowing that he has got us, that he can take care of spirit and body. And so even in that moment where we go, you know what? I know I need to stand. I know I need to, this is what God's word is and this is what God's word says and I need to stand against the, the understanding of Babylon. I need to stand against these things. It can be scary. But listen, I promise you, Jesus will stand with you. Even though you may be physically, quote unquote, by yourself, Jesus will be there. And listen, I can't promise you that in that moment everything's going to work out like perfect the way you think it will, but trust me on this. You stand for Jesus, he'll stand for you. 
So always remember that. Always know that. Always trust that. They'll do that. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And Jesus, we live in a world and a time that is difficult. We live in a culture that in a lot of ways is fighting the things that we believe because of what your word says. There is a battle between darkness and light. And Jesus, you called us to stand firm, to be courageous, to have faith, to have wisdom and knowledge. All of these things. God, you've called us to do that. And here's what's great about all the things. All the things that we need to do that, you will provide for us to do it. Once again, you're not leaving us. You're right there with us. You're standing with us. Just like you did for Stephen. And so Jesus, I pray that as we Look at our world. Listen, Jesus, some of us need to stand in our home. Some of us need to be willing to stand in our home. Because sometimes people come in and, and they, they mm. We need to stand in our schools and our workplaces. We need to be like Daniel. We need to be like the, his friends that said, you know what? You can call me what you want. You can try to teach me what you want. But I will not disobey my God. Father, give us that type of fortitude. Give us that type of strength. Give us that type of courage that we know can only happen because of you. And Jesus also... I know it's easy in this moment to kind of, as we've talked about this earlier, kind of be way, okay, oh, now, now, now we're way over here in truth. Next week, Father, as we talk about how to be, give grace freely, how to love well, that God will take both of these messages and put them together. But first, God, as we are focusing on today, on standing firm, help us to do that. Help us to stand firm in your truth, in your grace, and in your love. We love you and we thank you. You're so good. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a closing chorus.
Father, we, we proclaim that song when we say, yes, I will. That there's, there's not a lot of um, variation, I guess, in that. I mean, it's, we are going to do this. And not only will we praise you, not only will we do that, but we will stand for your truth. We will stand for your truth. Help us to do that. We know you will. We know you're with us. We know you'll never leave us or forsake us. But we still need your help. And we know you'll help us. So we make that proclamation. We make that statement. We make that promise. That yes, I will stand for you. We love you. And we thank you, God. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. We hope you're doing well. Thanks for being a part of the service this morning. I hope all of us, both online and here, have a great week. Remember, if you want to get baptized, come talk to me because we're going to be doing it next week, all right? Love you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.